We're going to be looking at God's counsel as the wonderful counselor to Job this morning. So let's bow in prayer. Father, we pray that you would open the word to us by your Holy Spirit. Be our teacher. Instruct us that we might know your wonderful counsel in the losses in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When we left Pennsylvania and moved to Lynchburg, Virginia, and then moved to North Carolina, uh, we left a lot behind. We did bring my wife and my motorcycle, (laughs) but we left behind our house, our friends, even our dog. And we left behind the graves of our son, my dad, my mom, my brother at Limerick Garden of Memories. When our son died almost 30 years ago, uh, they gave us eight lots in a cemetery. It was very nice. And I thought, boy, that's a lot of lots. At that time, I was like Abraham. The only land I owned was a funeral plot. But I thought, eight Graves, that's a lot of space to fill. But by the time we left that town, half of them are full. So we come to Thanksgiving. We come to Christmas. There are empty chairs at the table. There are missing loved ones. And perhaps for the first Thanksgiving or the first Christmas after the loss of a loved one, we realize that happy times are also sad times for us and for many others. Diane and I have experienced loss and grief. We know the nights when you cannot sleep and the waves sweep over you. We know how the oddest little reminders stir up the grief and the pain and the hurt. We live in a world where we cannot avoid the losses that occur, the grief that follows. And yet, God Himself is the wonderful Counselor. Job, he lost everything except his God his wife, and his friends. And as you know, his wife and his friends were of dubious help in his trouble. But he had his God, and he had his hope, and he got through it. You wonder if you're going to get through it when you lose a loved one. I'm here to tell you, and my wife will testify, that God can bring you through it. But in order to come through stronger than you went into it, you're going to need the counsel of the wonderful counselor. One of the weird things that happened on the day that it's on this screen. On the day that I we lost our son was I fell into a bush. I was so overcome with grief. I literally collapsed into a bush. 
And worse than that, I tore my hand. And I had a big flap of skin that was flapping on my hand and bleeding away. And that, that wound in my hand became kind of a picture of my heart. God does heal wounds of the soul. And God's intention is those healed places would be like scar tissue and we'd become actually stronger than the original skin. And I can tell you that God has healed our hearts. We still miss our son, uh, but we will see him again. On that grand and glorious day when believers will be united. I don't know what age he will be, but whatever it is, I'll be glad to see him. Because our loved ones are not completely lost to us if they know the Lord. When Job's losses were restored at the end of the story, he doesn't get his double kids. He gets double everything else. And some people have asked, why didn't he get double children? And because he still had the ones that he had lost. We do not lose them forever because they are in heaven with him. When we lost our son Nathan back in 1988, run over and killed by a bus, my grief was centered in the fact that I saw his body on the ground. My wife's grief was focused on the fact that I wouldn't let her see his body. For me, that picture in my mind was impossible. It came to me in the night. It came to me in the day. It, it, it just was there in my mind, in my eyes. I have believed for a long time that the only more powerful thought than a tempting thought is a Scripture thought. I believe that actual verses of Scripture are more powerful than any temptation that we can experience. And that the only way to win the victory over temptation in our thoughts is with Scripture. Oh, that's what Jesus did, isn't it? When He was tempted. Every temptation was answered with memorized, quoted Bible verses. I'm glad you teach your children to memorize God's Word, but I'll tell you what, memorization is not just for kids. Amen. Glad to see the adults in Awan are memorizing Scripture and holding each other accountable for that. It was just a little part of a verse here that we read this morning. What, it says that when Job lost everything in one day, you talk about you had a bad day this week. He had a bad day. What did he do? It says he worshipped. You know, worship is not just a nice thing to do when everything's going well. Worship is what we do when our whole life is falling apart. Because unless we worship, we will be drowned by our problems. We must look up. And that's what he did. And Job said something that I went over and over again every time I was tempted to see my son and to feel the guilt of my responsibility for his death. The Lord gave. And the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I just said it out loud over and over and over again. 
It was the only way to conquer those terrible memories, those terrible feelings of loss and guilt. The Lord gave, the Lord take away, took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Someone said something to me that was very helpful. They said, well, you had him for seven years. See, I hadn't looked at it that way. I looked at it, he's gone. I didn't see him finish school. I didn't see him graduate. I didn't see him get married. I didn't see his grandchildren, my grandchildren, through him. Somebody said, no, you had him for seven years. Some people never have a son. Some people have a son for a very short time. Thank you, Lord. I said, thank you. You gave me a son, a beautiful son, a wonderful son for seven years. You opened his heart prior to his death. He asked Diane one time, he said, what's it like to die? She said, well, do you believe in Jesus? He said, yes. Well, then you go to heaven. He said, no, no, I'm not talking about the going to heaven part. I'm I'm talking about what does it feel like to die. We were grateful that God took him very quickly. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say it with me. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'll tell you, whatever you're going through, whatever rottenness this world and the devil and the flesh throw at you, whatever struggles you were having in the process of sanctification, whatever battles you're fighting in that space between your ears, get a verse memorize it, meditate on it, and when you are tempted, say it to yourself. Preach yourself a sermon. Amen? Nothing more powerful than lust than Scripture. Nothing more powerful than grief in this world except Scripture. Nothing more powerful than guilt or fear than Scripture when tempted to fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I'm claiming that, Lord. I'm claiming Your promise. There's only two ways to live in this world. To live by the promises of God or to live by the desires and lusts of the flesh. And it's a battle till the day you die. It will be a battle till the day you die. But it's a battle that with God's help, you can win every day. Every day. Now we know from reading the book of Job, we know why Job had all that bad stuff happen to him. But there's no evidence in the book that Job knew why. There was an issue between Satan and God. God was bragging about Job. Did you see Job? And Satan says what every devilish person says, Follow the money. He's just in it for what you can do for him. If you took away all those blessings, he wouldn't love you. And God says, I'm in. Do it. Take it away. Let's do it. Job doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know why he loses everything. He doesn't know what's going on in heaven. And we don't know what's going on in heaven, do we? Once in a while in the Bible, that curtain is pulled back as in the book of Daniel and we see the cosmic warfare that's taking place because there is a God and there is a Satan. There are angels and there are demons. 
And we live in that kind of a world. And only by understanding this Word will we ever understand our world. What's going on in our world and what's going on in our own lives. Right in front of the place where my son was run over by a bus, they took us into a little place. It was down the shore, Ocean City, Maryland. It was a rooming house, I guess. And tucked in the mirror, there was a Bible verse that I had never seen before. It is in 1 Kings 8.56. God gave me that verse that day. You know, God is so gracious. Maybe it's through the daily bread for that day. Maybe it's something you hear on the radio. Maybe it's something in your Bible reading that God will speak to you. But in the midst of God's logos, the whole written Word, He gives you a rhema, a word for your particular situation. And here is just part of a verse. 1 Kings 8.56b Not one word has failed of all His good promise. That's what it said. It was tucked in the mirror. I said to the lady that ran that boarding house, I said, can I have that? I took it with me. Not one word has failed of all His good promise. When your world falls apart, when death and loss and difficulty come upon us, and life has all kinds of rotten things in it, God's promises do not fail. He remains faithful. He is new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Not one word has failed. And as much as we look at the losses and the difficulty and the trouble that Job had, he had hope because he had faith. Look at Job 23 and verse 10. Job 23 and verse 10. Job 23.10 He knows the way I take. When He has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He didn't know about all the cosmic issues behind the scenes. He didn't know all what was going on. He didn't know why this was happening in His life. And you probably won't know why either. But you can be sure of this that God is using the trials of your life, the heat of trials will refine the gold of your life. God's taking the dross out. He's pruning your tree. He's working on you. He's working on me. And it is through the heat of trials that He refines our lives. Yeah. Job understood metallurgy. He understood that you've got to heat up that gold in order to take the dross off. And that is a refining process. And he knew that God was doing that with him. Look at his hope also in 19.25. Job 19.25. I call this his Easter hope. The Easter hope that we see so clearly today after the cross and the empty tomb. He saw uh, through a glass darkly, but he knew, he says, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he shall take his stand on the earth. 
even after my skin is destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold and whom my eyes will see and not another. He had resurrection hope. He said, even after my skin falls off, I have a life. Amen? I mean, all kinds of things are falling off of us, you know. Right? I mean, it's just... It, it, our bodies are where the outward, outward man perishes. It just does. As much as we paint it up, fix it up, you know, all the things we do, the fact is we are perishing. Our bodies are in the midst of a process of death. But there is life after death, and Job knew that. He said... Even though my health is destroyed, even though I die, I in my flesh, in my redeemed body, will see God and it'll be me. It won't be somebody else. People want to say, will we know each other in heaven? My father had a good answer for that question. When people said, will we know each other in heaven? He says, well, do you know each other now? He says, you think you're going to be dumber in heaven than you are now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're going to know each other. We're going, you're going to be you. You will never be anybody else than you are. But you will be the best you you have ever been. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, if we could see each other in our glorified state, we would be tempted to fall down and worship each other. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Job had hope. Job did not give up because his hope was not merely of this life. He knew that he was going to live forever because he had a Redeemer and he was going to have a resurrected body. And he knew that no matter how bad it got, that God was at work refining his life through the process of loss. Well, if you ever try to read the book of Job, oh boy, book of Job. Job's friends, you know? They show up and don't say anything for a week, and they were doing good, you know? They were doing good. But once they opened their mouths, they basically took a long time to tell him that his troubles were all just getting what he deserved. You know, he obviously had secret sin in his life, and that's why he was having all these bad things happen to him. That's always nice when your friends think, well, she had it coming. He had it coming. Now, they won't say that. They're much nicer than Job's comforters. But Job's comforters are everywhere to be seen, and especially in churches. Yeah, because we have a strong sense of right and wrong. We have a strong sense of morality. And uh, we think that there is uh, judgment in this world. And so when something happens to somebody, our thought might be, well, get what they deserve. But there's more to this story than that. Because generally speaking, the Proverbs are true that if you do the right thing, you'll get a good result. But I want to tell you, there's more to life than that. 
And if that's all you know about life is that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, there's a lot of things that you will not be able to comprehend. Because there is more to this world than simply that. I was so encouraged. The day that our son died, my assistant pastor came down from the church and he, he sat down with Diane and I. And he opened the Bible. And the passage he opened up to was such an encouragement to me. When something bad happens to us, we usually think, well, what did I do? What sin is it that this is the payment for? You know, how did I get myself into this? And we tend to somehow try to figure out the cause of our loss in terms of some sin or whatever it is. He opened up Psalm 103. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Lord used my assistant pastor to be my pastor that day. I had lunch with Ross Marion on Monday. We had a good time together. Love him. I said, let's make a deal. I'll be your pastor and you be my pastor. We'll pastor each other because pastors need pastors too sometimes. I needed my assistant pastor, Dan Schreyer, and God used him to speak a rhema into my heart. Yes, yes. Jesus took all your sins on the cross. Jesus died for you. Nothing that happens to you is a punishment for sin if you're a believer. Amen? Amen. Jesus paid it all. So whatever happens to us is for God's glory and our good. Thank you, Jesus. But I take it by faith. I take it by faith. I believe God's Word. Job Still had his hopes. And then, starting in chapter 38, hey, we're making progress through the book of Job, aren't we? We're up to chapter 38. God speaks. In fact, God speaks more thoroughly and clearly in the book of Job than anywhere in the Bible. He talks long, and I'm not going to read everything he said to Job because he said a lot. Strangely enough, In the process, he takes Job to the science center, he takes him to the planetarium, and he takes him to the zoo. Read it. God himself talks about nature. When Job's friends have finished blaming Job himself for all his trouble, God shows up and asks him some really great questions. In fact, he gives him a 60-question quiz. That's tougher than the one we took this morning. He starts by asking in 38, Job 38, Who is this that darkens, verse 2, 38 to who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge 
Now gird up your loins like a man. I will ask you and you instruct Me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Oops. Job wasn't there and neither were you and I. How do we know what happened how the world came to be. How do we know that this world was made by God? He wrote it in a book and He was there. The only witness to it wrote a book and told us what happened. And he says, Job, what I want you to know is that I'm God and you're not. Do you know that? Some people are living their lives today as if they were God and that God is not. Either God will be God to you, or you will make an idol out of yourself. And you know people like that. Most people in America today are living by an idol called self. They are told by the entertainment industry, follow your heart. Live your dreams. You can be anything you want to be. You are in charge of your life. Take charge of your life. And we say, no, I am not capable of guiding my own steps. I need God to guide me. I need Him to lead me. I want to yield to Him. I want to know His will. I want to experience His guidance. And God sets Job down a rung. He says, I'm the Creator and you're not. He's got some great questions. Look at verse 8. Who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth it went out from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and I placed boundaries on it, set a bolt in doors and I said, thus far you shall come but no farther and here shall your proud waves stop. How many of you ever slept overnight along the shore near the beach? Anybody? Ever go to the shore, the beach, whatever you call it down here. I don't know what do you call it, the ocean? Yeah. And you could sleep at night because you know the ocean was going to behave itself. Now, unless there's a big storm. But generally, the ocean stays where it's supposed to stay. Do you know why the ocean stays where it's supposed to stay? Because God put it there. He put it there. And He set the boundaries of the sea and the land. I love this one, verse 12. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? Do you know why the sun came up this morning? Because God made it come up. You and I didn't do anything to make that happen. The U.S. Weather Service didn't make it happen. They predicted it. They could tell you when it was going to happen because it's an orderly world. But God made the sun come up. He's the one that put that mechanism into being. Verse 16, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you ever seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and darkness? Where is its place? What about this whole thing of light and darkness? 
God is the one who made that. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Have you seen the storehouses of the hail? I've seen some cars around here that resulted from the storehouses of the hail around here. Which I have reserved for the time distressed for the day of war and battle. Napoleon found that out, didn't he? God controls the weather. And he turns the tide of great wars and battles with weather. Because God controls the weather. Where is the way that the light is divided and the east wind scattered on the earth? He asks questions. Verse 31, he deals, he takes us to the planetarium. Can you bind the chains of Pleiades, loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season? Oh. You ever look through a really good telescope? There's a lot out there, folks. God made it all. Why did he make it so big? that we might have a way to illustrate the fact that His ways are higher than our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth. That He could illustrate to Abraham how His seed would be like the stars of heaven, uncountable. The stars, the planets, the universe is a description, a presentation of the greatness of God. Do you realize how small we are? I mean, here we are on this little blue planet. And we're like bugs walking around. You know, we're just like nothing in the universe in terms of size. But this planet is unique. How's that whole thing going with finding other planets like this one, by the way? And how much of your tax money has been spent on it? You know? Finding those other planets. The eschatology of Star Wars and Star Trek is false. This is the story of the future. This planet is unique. God made this planet. He only had one son and He died for the people of this world. This is a unique place. God made it. He then takes Job to the zoo. He says in verse 39, Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait in their lair? Who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God and wander about without food? How do the animals eat? They don't have a government food program. But they eat, don't they? Because God taught them how to eat and how to get what they need. Do you know the time, 39.1, that the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? The whole process of Reproduction in humans and animals is an amazing process designed by God and built into our bodies and the bodies of animals. The more we study science, the more we see the greatness and the beauty of God. The DNA in every cell of our body contains the information that God put there to make us who we are. Amazing. Then he takes them down to visit the dinosaurs. Fascinating. Look at chapter 40 and verse 15. Behold now behemoth which I made as well as you. And he describes this dinosaur. Amazing. The dinosaur. He's got another dinosaur that he shows in 41.1. Leviathan. Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook? Who knew that we would discover the fossils 
of ancient animals that were huge and monstrous and yet described here in the book of Job as being made by God. Praise God for answers in Genesis and Ken Ham and the guys that are showing us that science does not disprove the Bible, but science properly understood and the Bible properly understood all fit together. Why? Because all truth is God's truth. He is sovereign over all. So what was the spiritual result for Job? Look at chapter 40. In verse 3, Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. King James says, I am vile. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken, I will not answer. Even twice, I will add nothing more. Basically, Job says, shut my mouth. He says, why am I talking to you? I should be listening to you. He says, I have nothing to say. You're God, and I'm not. I get it. I get the point of all this. Look at 42. Hey, we're on the last chapter already. Chapter 42. Last chapter. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I repent, I retract, I repent in dust and ashes. Job says, I knew you, but now I really know you. How many of you grew up in a Christian home in a Christian church? See? And we're like Job. He says, I heard you with the hearing of my ear. But then there comes a time in our lives when we really come to know the Lord personally. He said it this way, I heard you, but now I see you. I see you. However you say it, whether you call it being born again, saved, or any of those good Bible names for it, when you come to know the Lord personally, Jesus said it in John 10 this way, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of My hand. We then know I am His sheep. He is my shepherd. He is my Lord. I am His servant. He is my Father and I am His child. I am His forever. I now have a personal relationship with the Creator God through faith in Jesus Christ who died for my sins and rose again. What did God do for Job? He rebuked his friends. Hey, would you like God to rebuke your friends? God did that for Job. He told his friends, he said, you guys are wrong. 
So make, make sure you don't quote the wrong parts of the book of Job because God tells them at the end they were wrong, okay? And then he goes to Job and he says, if you pray for your friends, I'll forgive them. I'll accept their blood sacrifice if you'll pray for them. You see, once he got his answer, then God wanted to use him in the lives of of others. We who have been forgiven are the ones that must forgive others, even those people who in our grief and pain give us really bad advice. Do you ever have bad advice when you're in grief and pain? I remember about two weeks after our son died, somebody came to Diane and said, I guess you're over it now. Well, she did get up the next day and take care of the rest of our children. She was a pastor's wife. She got up and did everything she had to do every day. But she wasn't over it. Okay? And sometimes we say the wrong thing. You know, people mean well. They do. They mean well. They, they want to, you know, help you. But when you're hurting, it's amazing how people can say the wrong thing to you. He forgave them. Have you forgiven those who have treated you badly? Those who have given you bad advice, those who have blamed you for your troubles, those who have not been any help to you in your time of trial, in fact, have hurt you. Have you forgiven them? God called Job to pray for his friends. And the Lord stuck up for him because no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the children of God, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Paul said, at my first offense, no one stood with me, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. God will stick by you. He says, the Lord had accepted Job, and in Christ you are accepted. We've been reading Heather Holloman's book, Seated with Christ. Great book, you ought to read it talks about your position in Christ, how you are seated with Him because He did His work and sat down. We can sit down with Him in the heavenly places because we have been accepted by God. What a happy ending to what a terrible story. What is the New Testament commentary on this story? James 5.11. Would you turn there with me, please? This is the New Testament summary of the whole book of Job. James chapter 5 and verse 11. James 5.11, We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And if you're in the middle of your story today, you're in the middle of your Job story today, I want to tell you that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, He will see to it that there is a positive outcome to your story. He will refine you as gold. You will be in heaven with your loved ones. And forever you will glorify His name. In the meantime, you will be like Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are healed, strengthen your 
brothers. Yes, we have a heavenly Father who chastens His children, He disciplines us, and He allows losses and grief into our lives as a cleansing and purifying effect in His process of sanctification. Let's bow in prayer. Are you a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ? Do you know that you're saved? If you're sure, just right where you are, thank God. Say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Just thank Him. But if you're not sure, would you pray with me? Would you call on the Lord and receive Christ right now? He's calling you to salvation. Call on the Lord. I I prayed a prayer like this. You can just repeat it after me in your heart if you want to receive Christ. Just tell Him. Just say, dear God, I know I'm a guilty sinner and I cannot save myself. Jesus, I believe that You died for my sins and rose again. Jesus, I receive You into my life by faith. Thank You for the free gift of eternal life. If you prayed a prayer like that from your heart, receive Christ as your Savior, then you are a child of God from this moment on forever. God will work in your life. He will plan everything in your life. He will draw you to be like Him. Father, we thank You for what You're doing in the lives of each one who has heard Your Word today. Comfort our hearts by Your Word. And do the work that only your Holy Spirit can do of conviction and encouragement and blessing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? Hal Johnson is going to come and lead us in a word of prayer. We will also remember our mission of the week as we pray. And then we'll sing God be with you till we meet again. Thank you. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, oh, that we as Christians would display the patience and attitude of Job. That is my prayer for us today. Uh, We remember our pastoral search committee today, Lord, and that they will be directed to our permanent pastor that you have already selected for us. Father, we pray for our new building, for the future of that facility, and that it will be used for your glory. We ask, Lord, that you will fill each room with eager minds that yearn for your saving grace. We pray for our mission of the week, Randy and Rose Sieg, who we all know as members of our church. Randy's work keeps him at the headquarters at TWR and Cary, and we pray for their continued um, financial and spiritual help. Father, go with us today as we leave this building, boldly professing the name of our Lord, and make us aware of the needs of others, for there are many. Help us to become a shining light for a world in need. In Jesus' name I pray.